Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the game changers and experts to tackle the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, pivot in your career, or get in the best shape of your life, I provide the guests to draw tactics, insight, and inspiration from to conquer your next chapter. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. I greatly appreciate it. I got a great episode for you today. With me, I got Mike Campbell from Sydney, Australia. The reason why I brought Mike onto the show is he just launched a web-based TV series called Beyond the Beers. And I feel Beyond the Beers is so on point with what we need in the world today. Beyond the Beer is an example of men having more deeper, authentic conversations past the service level of booze, sex, and sports. Mike videotapes these conversations and puts them out over YouTube to help people see an example of what's like to have a more meaningful, emotional conversation for other men to connect to. Mike's been a man coach for the last 10 years of his life. He helps men find significance, worth, and personal power. He's been challenging the broken model of manhood for the last 10 years, and he helps to support men get out of their own way. He helps men become their perfect version of James Bond, Nelson Mandela, and Batman. And he considers himself a low-level Batman himself. In the conversation, we talk about how you can get out of your own way, how to be more vulnerable, and the importance of having more meaningful conversations and emotional conversations as a man. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and without further ado, here we go. With me, I got Mike on the line from Sydney, Australia. Mike, thank you very much for joining me. This is my first podcast outside of the U.S. and Canada, so this is really going international for me, so I'm really stoked for that. So thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down with me. All right, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I can uh, help, help spread the wings, so to speak. I like to uh, start off my podcast by asking all my guests if your life was a book title, what would be the name of your book? Um, that is an interesting question, and um, and uh, you know, obviously, you've probably asked this to a few people, and and I don't know, I'm I'm assuming maybe some have written books, and so immediately, because you kind of gave me a heads up on that um, briefly before, and immediately my head goes to my book title, but I know that's not. It's not an autobiography, right? So, um, so it almost became one of those things around bias. Words run my head, words run my head. How do I think of something else? Um, so I managed to kind of pull myself out of that. And and for me, um, I kind of thought, okay, well, what sums me up? Uh, not not necessarily just now, because you know, like I suppose a lot of us had some changes and all that kind of stuff um, on our journey. But probably some of the things that that if you you know knew me as an eight year old and, and an eighteen year old a twenty eight year old and now a thirty four year old you might perhaps um, see some similarities and so what I kind of came to um, in that was consistency in action consistency subtitle yes <laughs> I like it and why consistency in action so uh, I, I think um, there's probably like you know maybe some layers but very simply, um, I'm consistent by nature. I always have been, um, and and these days more so. Um, one of those things that has become a consistent part of my nature is about taking action. 
Um, and so uh, I think you know the, the two kind of um, play into each other nicely and, and kind of speak to me really. And with consistency, we get results, right? You be consistent in action, and you start achieving the things that you want. So I think it's an Absolutely. amazing book title. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know not not necessarily because and this is where I would talk about layers. Like absolutely, but then um, not necessarily about results as well. Like you know that is one of my fundamental kind of philosophies around consistency and towards um, towards results. But also just the fact that my nature is consistent. So you know you can count on me to do the same routine in the morning or you know to whatever it may be. Right. That's where the consistency just generally comes through in my nature. And and I think if you ask my partner, um, you know. Describe me in three words. That that word would probably come up. So I think it had to be included in the book title about my life. For my audience members who don't know who you are, talk a little bit about what chapter you're in right now and what does your life look like in a day to day. Um, so where am I at right now? I'm I've been doing my own thing for a long time. So when I left university at the age of 22 or so, which is um, sometime ago now, about 12, 13 years ago, I started as a personal trainer and. I've essentially kind of had my own business ever since then. And, and now that I have a lot more self-awareness, I know there's no, that was by no mistake. You know, I've always kind of had a thing for doing my own thing um, and trying to separate myself from the crowd, even if just by the smallest part. So I would say that has come to, um, you know, uh, to a point in the last couple of years where very much I'm stepping into, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, I suppose, and, uh, and, and, you know, bringing the things that I see worth in, uh, into the world. And growth, um, growth is a big part of that with the, the persistence as well. And you've been a men's coach for the last 10 years. I believe I read that on your website. So talk a bit more about the work you do in your day to day with men sure. specifically. So, Look, when I started um, working with me, and it was as a personal trainer about 12 or 13 years ago, and and you know by nature, assistant uh, as I said, but I'm also I'm very curious, um, I'm very observant, and so, um, so what I found as soon as I started working with uh, men, and 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 I, I, the reason I say I started working with men was a little bit by accident in the sense that I was always working in the corporate environment, and by nature, you know, it's, it's very male dominant. I attracted guys that were kind of somewhat similar to me, and and, and I got on with, and that's kind of how it happened. But that's what led me to making consistent um, observations and, and learnings about about men, about the guys I was working with. And very simply, I soon realized, you know, guys come in for the physical, but there's, there's so much more beneath it. Um, and what is that and why is it? So that's kind of what led me to questioning those things and really uncovering the, the same, uh, same things, I suppose, I was seeing time and time again. Uh, physically, we weren't really where we wanted to be. And also mentally, we weren't really where we wanted to be. And they're very broad statements because of the breadth of different people, right? You know, one guy physically perhaps who's you know, obviously overweight, let's say, um, isn't where he wants to be. He might look at this guy over here who he thinks is in good shape, but if you ask him, he's also not where he wants to be. So, but they were common. Um, they were common amongst. And the other thing being, if we wanted to change and we wanted to try and improve ourselves, where did we go? There was just so much confusing information. Uh, it was frustrating, and for me, a big driver for me is, is around simplicity, and, and so that was always something that really kind of hit with me. And so that's when I really started to pinpoint 
what I was doing and just slowly changing, I suppose, how I was working with clients to, to start addressing that stuff. Um, that really ramped up probably four years ago, um, four or five years ago, uh, where I really started to ask more questions around why was this happening? Like, why were we in this place as men? And that's when I really, I suppose, went down the rabbit hole of, of manhood and masculinity and, and really, you know, came to a realization that I think we've kind of just, we've forgotten, we're just not really too sure what it is to be a man. There's so much conditioning and so many strong and strange and confusing messages um, around manhood and masculinity. Um, and, and I think it's something that we need to um, reframe, something that we need to question and take ownership of ourselves. And so that's why day to day now, um, you know, what I, I suppose immerse myself in is is around challenging uh, the current model of masculinity, which I think is, is broken, um, and, and and challenging guys to um, to actually start asking themselves the tough questions and, and and taking ownership of our own narrative, of our own journey, and our own direction in life, and and at a very simple level, I suppose, even though it's very complex. Um, challenging guys to start actually asking themselves what their own specific and individual measure and definition of success is, because I think that's one of the things that has led a lot of us um, down a path that isn't necessarily satisfying or, or fulfilling. On your website, and it's on your homepage and on your mission page, you talk about, and you just mentioned this right now, that the model of masculinity is broken. Why is it broken? What has caused it to become? Because I, I strongly agree with this, and so I love Man Talks and what Connor's doing and what Javon's doing and all those people in the world, and so I firmly agree with this. But I want to know your point of view, and obviously living in Australia is probably you know, similar yeah. to globalization, but why is the model broken in 2016? Um, how long have we got? No, um, it's... <laughs> look, personally, <laughs> as long as you got. From my um, point of view, um, given my experience, my research, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, I think there's a lot to it, uh, and I think um, a couple of big things in in you know kind of recent history in terms of humanity. One was the dawn of the industrial revolution, which I think absolutely changed the way we live as humans, um, and it very much changed um, that dynamic around how people spend their days. Uh, and in short, it took men out of um, the household to a large degree um, for a large amount of time. And um, those men's identities changed, but then also the um, developing generation of men no longer had that very present uh, role model um, and you know path and rights of passage into manhood. I think that's had a significant impact. Um, now, obviously, over you know, quite a few... Um, well, a couple of centuries, many decades. Uh, then I think, um, you know, compiling on top of that, last century we had two very big um, world wars as well as many other wars. And I think especially those, they wiped out a massive hole in the masculine part of society. As a result, we saw, you know, the rise of um, feminism and equality, which of course is needed and, and something that we're still working on. But, you know, as, as one leader in women's um, studies. Mary Ann Williamson put it, we've seen a generation of hard women and soft men and no one is better for it. And so I think, you know, there's instead of that kind of very clear polarity between the masculine and the feminine, we've seen, you know, women having to kind of um, step up 
um, and, 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 and picking up some of that masculine um, side of things and then being a little bit confused with it, essentially. And then I think, you know, cut really now to the modern day, which obviously, you know, is going to be a result of some of that stuff. We have a very misleading and macho picture uh, of what it is to be a man. You know, it's that very kind of blokey, um, you know, sort everything out yourself, like hyper-masculine, you know, don't ask for help. And it's very much around that mask of be a man, which is basically to be tough, right? Don't be a girl, don't be a pussy, don't cry, all that kind of stuff. So it teaches us that to be a man is to, to do that uh, and not essentially kind of have an emotional side or experience that uh, or share it. And it conditions us to, to try and prove our, our manhood, that very misconstrued manhood. I think then the other side of it now in the media is, you know, we have that very macho, dark, brooding um, kind of anti-hero that as well we see in movies and a lot. Um, but the other side of that is, is the flip. It's the kind of fat useless slob that is more so in sitcoms and like advertising. And so, you know, these are two very, um, very present images that we see. And so I think the general kind of conditioning is this is what it is to be a man. We just get hit over the head with this stuff. And, and I think we need to silence that um, and, and ownership, you know, personal ownership of, of what it is for us. And but, but that's kind of, for me, where it comes from. Yeah, and I agree. And for me, what I find interesting too, as women have stepped into the more masculine roles, where I think there's been, you know, I don't want to use the word neglect, but like men stepping more into their feminine, right? And so some men have really embraced that, right? And cooking more and kind of, Playing that role, but I think as women have taken on more power and kind of stepped into the position that men had, men haven't given up that power easily. And we haven't really been taught how to be more feminine in our nature, right? And yeah. David Deedy talks about this superior man, right? If you just look at his energy, right, not as like yeah. actual genders, it's like a man can still be in his feminine, and I think that's and be more emotional and be more open and be more vulnerable because I think that's kind of the old archetype was like, like you said, men don't cry, men don't open up. And so that's the challenge now that I'm finding is that men don't have the difficult conversations and really express themselves in a way that is really authentic. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you know, I spoke earlier about being around the corporate environment a lot. And, and I think this is where we see that play out a lot is that, you know, if you speak to any woman or, or certainly a large majority who are in perhaps a higher position in, in a company, in a corporate professional environment, um, they have to be very masculine. And so I just think we get this kind of bucking of the heads where uh, it's a, it's a, it becomes a bit of a boys' club and, and, you know, to a large degree, you know, perhaps there's some narcissism in there, but I think it's that insecurity of, oh, shit, you know, what's happening here? And so they become men become hyper-masculine. Women feel like they really need to be masculine to be able to play in that space, and, and no one really wins. You, you know, what I believe us men need to be able to do is allow women to be powerful in their feminine um, and let's use that example in that kind of corporate environment um, and that's where obviously we can be uh, in touch with our own feminine uh, or emotional side you know we don't need to use those terms I think um, but not necessarily ruled by it and it's just being having the awareness um, and, 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 and within ourselves and obviously you know among others and that's where empathy I think is such an important factor. Yeah, and the last girl I dated, she was a product manager on big construction sites, and she always said how she dressed like a lesbian to work, and it's sad that yeah. this is the reality of it, because she just didn't want to get hit on by men, right? And so it's that lack of empathy for her to go into the workforce and really be able to present herself the way, you know, show up without kind of getting, 
you know, hit on and everything else that comes along with it. And being respected as a woman to do a job as a product manager because she has all the qualifications and some. Yeah, she shouldn't have to pretend to be a man, basically, whether it be avert, like dressing like a lesbian, quote unquote, or having to, you know, play a very masculine role in terms of her behavior and stuff, right? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've heard of, um, you know, deals and boardrooms um, being finished off in the men's bathroom and, and women being excluded that way and stuff like that. Like, it's atrocious. Um, and, and I think it's just because we have this, you know, this butting of the head where, you know, men don't know how to how to pull out of that hyper-masculine model. Um, and, and, yeah, mutual respect could go a long way. And so if someone is more traditional in masculinity and kind of hyper-masculine, like, how do you coach, like, how do you, I guess, the term that comes to mind for me, soften them up a little bit or make them more open with them, like, how do you coach that with the men that yeah, you Yeah, cool. So, Look, to be honest, at the end of the day, like, you know, I call myself a man coach and, and obviously I work with men and we're talking about the suffering and masculine women, but, but to a large degree, when I'm working with men, certainly in the initial stages, right, if we're into one of my kind of more, you know, in-depth programs, maybe more so, but I don't really end up talking about these things, masculine, feminine, and so on, that much. For me, I, I find personally that um, the stuff that we spoke about in terms of, you know, why I think we we are where we are. I'm, I'm going to bring that stuff up to give context and allow guys to realize, actually, you know what? I don't need to be um, down that path because, you know, society and my family and myself says I need to. I'm going to address it for myself. Beyond that, I really just want to help guys um, initially discover what that personal compass and, and value set and path and purpose is. Uh, then we can start getting into the masculine and so on. However, um, whilst that is happening, I'm very much purposefully bringing them into their feminine and making them more aware of that stuff. I'm just not necessarily talking about it to them because I just think, you know, sometimes we don't need too many kind of things to, to think about. So, um, vulnerability is one of the biggest kind of things that I'll be talking about and, and, and embracing and getting them to embrace. And for me, it's very simply around, first of all, reframing what vulnerability is. Because I think for a lot of men, you know, we've been taught that vulnerability is weakness. Um, and that we should avoid that, um, and you know everything else out of that. And you know, for me, it's just a simple reframe that to fear vulnerability because we fear that we're going to be weak is showing weakness. And so, if we actually realise that to be vulnerable is to put your balls on the line and to be courageous and to show an inner strength, that is strength. And so, it's a very simple reframe. Um, to, to, to the way we look at what vulnerability is, uh, then I'm going to insert different exercises and so on um, to start uh, to start ensuring that there's vulnerability um, from simple things like you know having someone for accountability that they share things with um, to the very first thing that guys will do when they come to work in my coaching program is write themselves uh, a letter and, and essentially me as well um, and that letter is really you know. It's like a before picture for you. Well, I mean, it's not a before picture, it's a progress picture, right? But we want to find out what's going on in there. Uh, we want you to be deep, get deep, um, you know, talk about the surface stuff, but, but get deep as well, and and really, um, you know, share what's going on with you, what's working, what isn't, um, you know, really lay it out there. And by doing that, they're tapping into their feminine, right? They're becoming more creative and they're starting to, you know, switch, I think, a little bit um, in that exercise itself. Um, and of course, they're being vulnerable. They're very much having to be vulnerable. And and I think for me and for anyone who's working in the coach, you know, 
the, the most important thing is to be able to provide the space for that to happen, for, for, for guys to be vulnerable. Um, and so that's that that kind of stuff very much is around how I'm you know trying to bring them back into their feminine perhaps or, or, or more aware of their emotional side. And then we will start talking a little bit about um, their feelings. Uh, and and I say that with a bit of smile on my face because you know it can obviously easily bring up connotations of you know sitting around in a in a men's circle and talking about our feelings and being in service to love and all this kind of stuff. And again, I think that stuff's great, but I just think initially for, for most guys that I end up working with, I just need to pull it back a bit and just get into to talk about their feelings in a sense of what are you actually feeling in your body. Right, and just tapping into that a little bit and trying to get out of their head. On your website you said you found you run into the same patterns again and again where men are lost, stuck, frustrated. Does a lot of this go back to them not tapping into their feelings? Is this kind of like where they've really neglected to I think so, themselves? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, you know, like I talk about, you, you know, you might have come across the documentary The Mask We Live In, and, and, and I very much agree with that, and I'm, and I'm speaking about that stuff a little bit as well. I think um, it starts from, from when we are young, and, and, you know, we are kind of, as I kind of said before, taught to perhaps put that emotional side away. Um, there's a point when we're boys when it's not okay to cry and, you know, don't be a girl and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that stuff leads us to, to losing sight of that side of us um, a lot. Now, of course, we're generalizing, right? Because this obviously doesn't happen to everyone. It's sometimes super intuitive stuff. Um, but there's a saying, the longer you wear a mask, the harder it is to remember who you were beneath it, right? And, and I think that is what really does or can come into play um, in that sense, for a lot of guys, we, you know, it, it's very masculine to be analytical and all that kind of stuff. And I think we can just really fall into that space, and, and myself included. Like this is one of the things that I continually work on: is being stuck on my head and, and rationalising everything. Um, and and you know, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of research around um, around emotions for men, and the ones we actually recognise, and it's extremely limited. You know, anger, happiness. Atmosphere, basically. Um, so, the need for us to work out what am I actually feeling, of course, and it doesn't need to be a head thing, it needs to be a body thing, because the head thing means we're still trying to intellectualize and analyze and, uh, and rationalize everything. So, yeah, just kind of tapping into to what we're feeling, and I think that's one of the things we've, we've, we've lost that skill, or, or maybe not even lost it in the sense that some of us, I don't think, ever report it, right? What is um, this emotion? What is that emotion? And so for one of the things that I'll, I'll end up working on um, with some of my guys, and again, sometimes it's just from a very simple initial um, level, is trying to expand what I call emotional vocabulary. You know, a lot of us need to study people who have a different you know, bandwidth and, and ask them, what were you feeling there? Ah, oh, okay. And, and actually get into conversation and learn, right? We need to learn things and we've got to obviously... Uh, Actually, go and learn it. So, so that's for me what it comes down to for a lot of guys having to, you know, increase their emotional vocabulary. On the website, you talk about helping men connect with their purpose, and I really like this. You say you help them make a mix of their own James Bond, Nelson Mandela, and Batman. And so, when men have lost their purpose, you know, how do you get them back on that path? How do you help them find sure. their purpose so, again? I think that's something that can be it can be a very daunting prospect. Right, and I think um, in, in the sense that finding your purpose or what's your purpose, know your purpose, and 
I think that in itself can be um, daunting, like I said, but it can be something that, that sends guys um, either to inaction or inconsistent action or procrastination or fear of it needs to be something grand. So for me, what I want to try and do, and this is where I talk about the concept of Project Me, uh, what I want to try and encourage guys to do is to make yourself your purpose. And so that's where I talk about Project Me in the sense that I personally believe that as men, um, we love a project, right? You know, it is very masculine to, to solve things and, and to be doing, um, and we love projects. And, and that could be anything. For a lot of guys, it, it's, it's work. Um, it might be family in moments. These obviously can, can chop and change. It could be cooking a meal one moment. It could be changing a nappy. It could be fixing a light bulb. It could be anything, right? Putting together a, a model plane or something. And, and a lot of this comes from a need to solve things, right? We, we love solving things for other people. So essentially my challenge is, yeah, absolutely. Just to fix um, it. But what a lot of us do therefore is neglect the most important project we have, which is ourselves. So my simple challenge is to accept the challenge of solving you, solving project me, and that becomes your purpose. If, if your purpose is to become your best and, and solve you, then everything else in your life can improve. You can become a better partner, brother, employee, son, whatever it may be. Um, but you can also work out what, and, and, and you know get away and all the superfluous crap and just get a bit more clarity and clear on what is important to you. And that's where things like what is a bigger purpose can actually start to shine through because we've decluttered a little bit and you're starting to get really clear on what you're about what's important to you. So for me, that's where something like real purpose um, can come in. You know, it's something that's beyond ourselves, right? But I think if we're functioning at our best or striving to, because obviously we don't we don't ever reach a point where it's like, cool, I'm done, um, then, yeah, everything else in, in our lives can improve. Relationships, career, um, you know, personal and so on. Uh, and that's where, through Project Me, or solving Project Me, as I call it, we're finding purpose in everything that we do day to day which will lead us to finding bigger purpose beyond it. I read one of the last blog posts you put out and you said, you know, are men all about sex? And, you know, this really kind of connects what you're talking about where, you know, are you having sex to feed the ego for validation and to talk to the boys about how you got laid and, you know, talking about it and just kind of validating yourself versus for the real reasons, you know, for yeah. connection and love. Like, are you kind of going into that for the, you know, authentic reasons? And so, yeah, you know, we do a lot of things for the ego, for that validation. So I think I love Project Me in the sense that you're working to look deep down the core to validate what the soul needs as opposed to just Absolutely. the Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I spoke about success earlier, and, and I think, you know, as men, we've kind of got a few measures that, that tell us we're successful. You know, if you ask most people what is success, it'll come down to something around money, um, which... You know, we all need money to survive, but I think it's something that a lot of us have never asked the question, how much? How much is enough? And so, you know, we have these kind of um, measures of success around uh, financial success, being money, essentially more is better. Um, and, and then obviously from that come things, right? Shiny things. Um, we have um, we have sex and athletic ability and physical prowess, I think. They're all very similar, but sometimes different because it could be used in their sporting ability and so on. Um, and then we have things like kind of power and freedom. And, and I just think one of the things that we need to do is work out what those things are to us. So sex 
as you're saying right there, we've been taught that have sex, more is better. And by the way, uh, the hotter she is, the better too, because then you can brag about it to your mates, right? And so that's that kind of ego feeding right. thing where we get it ourselves, but we also know that we're going to get that from, from others. And the story that I shared in that blog post was exactly that. She was talking to her friends about how great I was. I was talking to my friend about how hot she was. She called me on it. Right, and and and, um, and she called me on it in a sense that she suspected it, and I lied. Right, but it made me realize that's what I was doing, yeah. and and that is what we do to a large degree. And you know, for for a lot of us, for men, we're physical. You know, when it comes to love languages and stuff, a lot of men play around the physical space, myself included. And I think that's probably because a lot of us have been taught not to, um, as young boys. Right, you know, come on, like it's none of that. Keep the physical out. Um, so when it comes to the act of sex, of course it feels good physically. We know that, right? But I think if a lot of us are honest and we ask ourselves, what else do we get from it? It is connection. It is feelings of significance. It's feelings of being desired, which comes down to respect and admiration and all this stuff. And those are the big drivers that I think we need to own. Because even though, yeah, they are potentially still external validators, they are key drivers uh, as humans. And as long as we know them, we can own them. And, and that can, I think, bring so much more fulfillment to to sex itself, but to relationships and connection. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you were a personal trainer for 10, 12 years. What did your earlier chapter, like, I'm curious to know what made you get into this space and kind of how you got into this. And I guess the personal training was an avenue and transition for you there. Yeah. So look, it was really just a case of, um, of, of realizing, okay, someone's coming to me for a, a physical change, some kind of physical work, right? So, you know, I, the training itself, great, but, oh, okay, there's more to this, right? We have to look at nutrition and, oh, okay, they're busy types. We need to look at their lifestyle, sleep, stress, and all this kind of stuff. And I soon realized that, you know what? So, Philip, like, let's say you were coming to me um, as a client. I could take you for every workout. I can, I can instruct you. I can train with you, whatever works. I could cook you every meal. I could sit down with you, tell you when to eat, stop eating. I could, you know, tell you when to go to bed, work on your stress, supplements, whatever was going to come in there to help you, you sleep and your stress. But unless you knew why you were doing that and what it was all for, it wasn't going to last. And so it was frustrating for you at some point in time, hopefully you would realize, and it was frustrating for me. And for me, knowing that and, and seeing that there was so much more beneath it, um, there's no way I couldn't address it. And so it became um, frustrating for myself to uh, not address that stuff with someone. And, you know, it was like, it was like we were kind of, there was an elephant in the room. It's like, we need to address that. We can't just, you know, sweep it under the rug. We've got to find the real reason. Yeah, so so for me, it was just like, cool. Well, this is the next step. We've got to get into the why we're doing this stuff. And then it became, okay, so we're doing it because of this. Why are we, why, why is that the case? And so that's just why I keep, you know, as I kind of see went into the rabbit hole, I'm, I need to come out. Um, because it was very much around, you know, like I said, for me, I'm very curious and, and I like to figure things out. So it's, it's trying to get to the bottom of something that will work uh, and actually have you know, lasting and significant change. And still to this day, very much, I think a lot of guys, when we turn to try and do some work on ourselves, we turn to the physical um, because it's easier, right? We get the most instant kind of gratification and, and, and satisfaction and feedback and validation. Um, but again, I think a lot of us are doing it for the wrong reasons, or we don't know why we're doing it, right? And if we're, if we're honest and we analyze or 
we analyze it perhaps or, or, or question it, it would be around that kind of ego validation stuff, right? I feel better, others are giving me that respect and so on, but we haven't actually put them in, into the thoughts or words. And, you know, at the same time, I also think it's foolish to not, um, to not realize that that stuff's so important. You know, like I think appearance and, and validation and respect and, and so on from others is still a massive thing for us. Like to say that we don't have that attachment, I think is probably going to be unrealistic for right. people. Um, again, myself included. But it's just understanding what the real big drivers are and then owning that and, and really, you know, using that. And so that's that's what's led me there, having to having to answer the real questions, I suppose. This podcast is called Your Next Chapter, and a big reason why I saw Yoda is because you've done a Kickstarter campaign and you had a thing coming up called Beyond the Beers. And I want to know more about your next chapter. Tell me more about Beyond the Beers, what you're building. I love the concept. I don't know a whole lot about it, just what I've read. But talk about your next chapter and what you're doing there. Sure. So, yeah, look, and and this really is just a natural evolution of everything that I've been doing. And, and I'm sure you'll be aware, and a lot of people might maybe, and, and it links to what I was really just talking about in being going to the physical, is that to get into this stuff around personal development, perhaps, around masculinity, around working on ourselves as men, vulnerability, right? Dropping the ego, which obviously needs to happen if we're going to be vulnerable and kind of stuff. It's hard by the nature of us having this mask of ego, this false self that we feel we want the world, uh, the, the world wants to see us as. It's hard to do that and step behind it and work on it, um, which is, I think, why the, the, the physical... Um, uh, the world of working on the physical, the fitness industry and yep. so on, still, it still works through tacky, shitty marketing, right? Um, and there's not really something that's equivalent in this space unless it's kind of, you know, still playing to that kind of disingenuous perhaps or, 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 or flimsy, you know, get confidence so you can get the hot girl type thing, right? This is about real work on ourselves. And so it's confronting for a lot of guys. And what I've found is that if we want to delve into that stuff, like real work around the masculine and who we are and all that kind of stuff, it, it's a bit too far for the for the average guy. Yeah. And so personally, I just think from, from a behavioral change model, from, from dealing with men, it need, there needs to be a nice, simple first step. You really, it needs to be simple and safe for us to go, let me, let, me, let me have a look at that. Oh, okay, I can try that. And because we need to make the decision ourselves, right? And that's what it comes down to. So for me, this is where Beyond the Beers comes in, long introduction. Beyond the Beers very much is a show, the, the subtitle is Men Breaking the Stereotype Through Conversation. And so it's about myself and a guest sitting down and having a conversation that goes beyond the beers, right? Beyond that surface level chat that we so easily um, stick to. And, and, you know, women, sport, movies, tech, you know, weather, whatever it is, right? All the simple stuff. Nothing that really has any emotional connection. Just really like the mundane, day-to-day simple yeah. stuff. And and but at the same time, you know, it doesn't need to be some big, deep, like tears down my face, earth-shattering, emotive conversation. It can just be like, no, seriously, dude, like, what's going on with you? As opposed to, you're right, yeah, I'm right. You know, like, and and so it's about showcasing a couple of guys doing that, talking about manhood, and masculinity a little bit, but getting into the topic of conversation, and and me as a host, actually challenging guys on, you know, the conversations that they do avoid with or that they do struggle with. And then sharing examples around ones that, you know, those times, and we've all got them when we've had a conversation coming up and we get in our side of our head about how, oh my God, how bad it's going to be, and then we have it, and guess what? It wasn't that bad. 
right? And, and, and it always happens. So it's about talking about that stuff and the bottom line is really trying to encourage men to start having more, uh, sorry, more meaningful conversations in their own life. And, and again, for me, hopefully, therefore being a simple first step to just start delving into this stuff. And as well, I think hopefully on the whole, outside of the individual, starting to make a change in what it is to be a man and, 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 and reframing you know, the kind of conversations that men uh, can have. Because you know, a lot of men um, don't have any interaction with other men outside of the workplace, which is obviously just work-related. Um, and if they do, sometimes it is just that banter. It's just civil banter. So you know, I want to provide a, a space for men to, to, to learn and, and witness that um, and then encourage them to do so in their own lives. Amazing. So we shall see how it goes. Yes, I did a Kickstarter campaign. It was amazing. Like it, it really was a very weird thing to do. If anyone's done it before, they might know what I'm talking about. I found it was like a, a weird gray area between raising money for charity and launching a product. You know, you needed to get people to buy into it um, and, and, and buy into you, really, and the message, right? And, and that's what it was about. Um, and we did. We had over um, 100 people, like 110 or something, pledge, which for me was just amazing. Um, it was a great way to get feedback on the concept. Um, and some of the interviews that we've done already um, that we're turning into, into episodes. Um, but of course, now, just like everyone else, you know, I now have those feelings of, of doubt, of holy shit, I'm about to put myself out there now, and all the people that have gone, I love the idea of this, this is great, this is great, are going to watch it, and what are they going to think? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the title of my book is Consistency in Action, so I just need to take action and, and keep rolling with it. And I think we need that so much, like, you know, a place to be able to have vulnerable conversations. I don't think I mentioned this to you, but one thing that I did on my podcast recently is I came out and talked about my sexuality and how I dated men for a long time. And this was a really hard thing for me to come forward on. Yes, I talked to friends about it, but I never imagined talking to my parents about it or talking to my dad about it because it completely eats at like the mask of my identity, right? And it's just like I had always shown that I date women and told people about that. And it was very like, you know, the ego, very proud about that. But I was so shameful of the fact that I dated men and I had this other side to me. And I'm like, this is not cool. Guys are not going to like this. Like, there's no way this is going to be an attractive part of me. But it's been very interesting how like, through the whole process, like how having those vulnerable conversations has actually brought a lot of people closer to me. And women I did, like, you know, they, it's more attractive. It's interesting. All that I thought that was going to happen and be the negative reaction never came true. And it was the complete opposite of what actually happened. There you go. So often the case. So I think what you're, what you're building, yeah, it's just, it's just really, and a big reason why I came forward on the podcast too is like, I really invite that space for people and I've kind of been on my social talking about have the challenging conversations, have the difficult yeah, yeah, ones, that. because that's really where you're going to get the most amount of growth and movement forward for yourself as a person going yeah, forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, like for me, I look at all of these things, um, you know, it's like a muscle, right? You know, you don't need to, let, let's use your example, um, it, it doesn't need to be for a lot of people, you know, they might be thinking like, one, maybe, oh, should I've got something like that? Or two, I don't have something like that, right? But either way, it doesn't need to be some great, big, like, super scary conversation that you need to go and have. Just every day, you can start challenging yourself to just have something that's a little bit more scary in terms of conversation. And that might be giving a compliment to someone that you've always wanted to give a compliment to, but you never had, right? Something simple like that, because at the end of the day, if you keep doing it, consistency in action, Right, the muscle gets stronger, it becomes easier, and soon having those bigger, scarier conversations isn't so big and scary. Especially, I think, when um, you know the more times, like yourself, you 
do it and you realize, wow, it wasn't that bad. Right? That is such an important realization as well. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Because we can often play out this very gray kind of cloud around a converse, an upcoming conversation that, that hangs over our head that I think we don't necessarily give any actual thought to. Like, what is the worst case that could happen here? Like, if we actually broke that down and thought about it, we might realize it's probably not that bad. Or, okay, let me strategize around that. Instead, we just let it be a gray thing weighing over us and it doesn't feel nice and we think about something vague that might not be nice. So break it down. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, what's the best that could happen, right? And, and sometimes, oh, the worst that could happen, not that bad. The best that could happen, potentially amazing, right? So sometimes that math, um, you know, can really kind of push you into taking action. There's a Mark Twain quote I really like. He's like, that he says, I've experienced many terrible things, but few have actually happened. <laughs> And it's just so funny how we can live in our heads and we create all these stories and, they, and it feels so real because we play them out, but in reality, it's like they never actually happen, right? And when you actually do it, that worst case scenario, like you were saying, rarely comes true. Yeah. And, um, and you know, there's always going to be, I suppose, many different things that you can um, be confronted with, right? Like one person's story or conversation they need to have is going to be different to someone else's. So what can you do, I think, is, is an important thing to think. Because obviously just saying, just go and have a conversation sometimes as an app doesn't work. Um, but one, you know, one of my biggest things that to me and that I want to you know, encourage guys to, to, to do and, and certainly you know, work on with the guys I'm working with is, is very, around, very much around self-awareness and what I call self-intelligence. And, and this is obviously, you know, falls into the concept of, of solving project me, is you've got to know you. Right? You've got to know you. And so pay attention to you and how you operate, what works for you. So, you know, for some guy, it might be like, I've got to have that conversation with that person. All right, I'm going to send them a message or, or, or whatever it is. I'm going to send them an email and set up a time to do that. And then I'll put it aside. Like, you know, that might be something for someone. For someone else, it might be, I just got to get on the phone and have that, that phone call now. Or I just got to go knock on my, my boss's door. Or I got to send my partner a text and say, can we talk later on? Or whatever it is, right? But start to know you and just things out because also I think a very important consideration and, and, and thing to acknowledge here is that you're going to screw this shit up like you totally will right not every conversation is going to go swimmingly you'll say the wrong things through nerves and through overthinking and all that kind of stuff but just be easy on yourself and know that you're trying and you get there and there's a lesson out of all of those as well try your best because that's all you can really do yeah and you know the more you try the better you'll be as long as you see the lessons how is the Kickstarter campaign? Did you raise all the money and how is that process? Because that's a relatively new thing and I haven't talked about people have done that. How was that experience for you? So, I mean, it was weird. I kind of said before, it, it felt like, you know, the, the area between raising money for charity and what's the product. And, and that's very fresh for me because I raised money last year. I'm involved with an organization out here in Australia called Project Futures. And their mission is to end human trafficking. And they do a lot of work um, and give a lot of money to a couple of foundations in Cambodia. And so what we did last year, they take trips, cycle trips to Cambodia. So myself and about 24 others um, raised money, and then we went and did this amazing, like one of the best experiences I've ever had, 12-day um, trip cycling through the, the absolute back roads uh, and, and tracks of Cambodia. Uh, but that was raising money for that, and, and it was um, the first time I'd raised money like that, apart from knocking on doors when I was a kid to raise money for something, get 20 cents or whatever. Um, so that was very fresh. So the Kickstarter, it kind of felt like that a little bit, but also you're asking people to buy into something which, you know, is 
technically part of my business and, and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So it was the beauty of what I'm doing, the, 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 the context of what I'm doing is around having the conversation, right? So at the end of the day, I always had that to fall back on because I knew that if I needed to talk to someone about helping me out or pledging or whatever, it's like, well, this is about having the conversation, so I have to have it, <laughs> right? But it was a roller coaster. Oh, I'm totally going to nail this. I'm definitely, so we, we set out seven and a half grand as the target. Now, that's quite a tricky thing to think of because if you get $1 less, you don't get it, right? So you need to set something that's realistic you think you're going to get, but of course, also keep keeping in mind how much do we need for the project. Um, so then itself was hard. So we set that as a goal. So I went from one minute being, we're going to kill this, to, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to get there, to, oh, we're going fine, we're going to kill it, to, holy shit, I don't think we're going to get there. Right? And, and that was very like day to day, sometimes hour to hour. Um, the other thing being, of course, being, well, if I get there, then what? Are people going to like it? Shit, like really, are they going to like it? What happens next? So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of all over the show. Um, very weird, very weird time. But at the same time, if I, you know, which I was able to do, um, kind of pull myself back, just go, well, what's happening here? Um, oh, heaps of people are supporting this. That's amazing, right? So one of the things that kind of got me a little bit was um, the amount of people that were sharing, um, sharing it, or perhaps you know, liking it or commenting or whatever on, on social media. But then they wouldn't pledge. And, and I was more than happy for a dollar. I'm like, a dollar is amazing. If 100 people give a dollar, that's $100 close to the total. Like, come on, it's amazing, right? Abundance, abundance. Um, but no, people didn't want to pledge a dollar, which understandably, they want to look at tie-ups, right? So um, I would kind of sit there and go, why are all these people supporting it socially and then not putting their money where their mouth was, basically? And, and you know, the cynical side of me said, well, we like to be seen to be supporting cool things, right? Which is why we blast it on social media, but then we don't actually go ahead and do it. But either way, I just said, you know what, you can't read into that stuff. People are supporting it, and that's what it fucking comes down to. At the end of the day, it feels amazing to have that support, and that is what the show is about, getting people talking about this. So um, kind of, you know, bring it on. But it, it, was, it was a strange journey, I can tell you that much. And in the end, you guys did raise your goal. We did. So we got... Um, so sorry, the goal was seven, seven thousand dollars. So we got um, basically eight thousand, um, which was amazing. Um, I, I thought ten grand was probably more realistic in terms of what we needed, but I, like I said, I didn't know if we'd get that. So I so I set seven, and you know you can set strict goals and and all that kind of stuff, telling people where the money will go and all that. Um, yeah, but I'm also looking at um, and talking to um, later today actually. Um, some sponsors. So I've kind of gone for the major sponsor, you know, like kind of um, grassroots level, individual people giving little things um, to start with, because I really want to have a couple of cool brands on board. And obviously the name of the show is Beyond the Beers. Um, so I think it lends itself to having a beer, but also not having a beer. <laughs> um, and but of course, you know, I like the idea, and this is what we do in the interviews that we've done so far, is we sit there and have a beer, because I think it's important for guys to understand that you don't have to have these conversations, you know, in a certain setting or whatever. You can have a beer with your mate and really get into what's going on with him or you um, without having to have 10 beers. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, um, let's kind of 
the uh, let the beer take hold, and all of a sudden you become emotive and all that kind of stuff. But you can have a beer, just one beer, um, you know, or two, uh, and 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 go beyond the go beyond the surface. So, um, yeah, all in all, uh, an interesting um, an interesting process, and um, and at the same time, I should point out, you know, it's not. I, I will never sit here and go, oh, people told me it couldn't be done. But of course, like I had people saying, oh, no, like, you know, you should quit now while you're ahead um, and start again, re, you know, replan and, and all this kind of stuff. And I looked at the breadth of possibilities on Kickstarter and different crowdfunding campaigns, um, uh, platforms. And there's, there's, there's so much difference on that. You know, some people are launching actual physical products. For example, one that I looked at was a magnetic iPhone charger. So you can do it with one hand, right? You don't need to plug it in and you can pull it out with one hand and all this kind of stuff. And when you pledge, you buy the product, essentially. Yeah. So for something like a show, when you pledge, you get to watch the finished product. You're not getting something physical. And so at the end of the day, I went, you know what? I I, I believe in what I'm doing here. I believe in my ability to get people um, to buy into it. So I'm just gonna I'm just going to push on through. Which is what we had to do, and we had success. So it was amazing feel. Congrats! Thanks. So now it comes following following through on that one. <laughs> when yeah, when do you uh, plan to launch? So um, we're actually holding a launch screening here in Sydney uh, on Wednesday next week. So um, I'm being somewhat um, impatient on this, in the sense that I really want to get it out. Like I really do. I really want to start. Um, and that is my nature, you know, like I said before, consistent um, in action. I like to take action on things. And, and when I thought about the show, to be honest, I thought about it for quite a while last year. And it was actually when I was away on this trip in Cambodia in the middle of nowhere, like seriously in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're reflecting a lot of the time. And, and, and a guy on the trip that I, um, I ended up coming to friends with, we were just chatting, right? We were chatting and going beyond the beers. Um, and, you know, he was, we were talking about what, what each other was up to. And he said, you know, he works in TV, presenter. And he said, you know, what are you, da, 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 look, I've got this idea. And that, I'd been thinking about it, but that made me really go, yeah, I should actually I should actually do something here. So when I got back from that trip, I thought, okay, I don't want to do this by myself. I want to have someone who knows what they're doing as a bit of a partnership. And and he was my man. You know, he's great behind the camera as well as in front of it. I sat down with him. He said, look, I can't give you the time and stuff, but I really want to help you out. Anyway, he gave me some great advice um, to get started. Um, we set out for the first episode, which is what we're going to be um, screening at the launch, um, for me to be interviewed. So he's actually interviewing me because that's what he does for a living, interviews people like me. Um, and I dove in. So I dove in. We started filming interviews. I got a couple of interns kind of fresh out of film school to start helping me out. Um, we've since learned some lessons in that, that, okay, maybe we jumped a little bit too fast and we've got, we didn't have too much continuity with our cameras and all this stuff. But either way, for me, it was about action. And, and if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I am now with it. Um, I'd be months away from it. So that, that theme has continued, right? Let's make it happen. We're going to have an episode to screen next Wednesday, so let's do it. When we release it to the public, different, different question. Um, hopefully not long after, within a week. Um, and the idea is six episodes for the first series. Um, a short series so we can sit back and go, okay, cool, so how did it go? You know, do people like it? Does it work? Do we need to change the interview style maybe? Do we need different kinds of guests? Um, you know, Do we get out of sitting down one-on-one and go into a different kind of environment? 
that's all that's all the experiment so so we'll 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 hopefully do one episode per week for six weeks and then sit back and reassess and go again sounds like you got a good plan and you'll uh figure it out as you go right that's kind of how you go with it trial and error and then just experimentation absolutely yeah. figuring it out as i go yeah, and and this is one of the important things for me as well, and, and certainly one of the things I work on with a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of my clients is around being open to feedback. Um, I try not to be precious about anything, and then I'm absolutely open to feedback. You know, I absolutely do not know everything when it comes to this space. I'm playing in a space I've never been in before, so I don't know anything. Um, so feedback is the key, right? Um, if I take things personally, then uh, I kind of screw that up uh, automatically. So. It's all an experiment, and I'm happy to, to kind of roll with what works and, and what will need to change, because obviously the way we like consume information almost changes daily at the moment, so we'll roll with it see how we go. Well, Tony Robbins always talks about feedback. One of my last guests, Dave Barr, he runs a venture capital fund, and like he talks about the business he's seen that have failed and succeeded, and he said, it's all about feedback, you know, and can you adapt, right? It's like too many people look at the data and they just keep going down a path when all the data is saying, this is not working. You need to stop or pivot. And if you're not able to take that feedback and run with it, then yeah. you're going to drive yourself in a big hole. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I think you know we spoke about it a little bit earlier in terms of ego around sex and validation and stuff. And, and that's again, I think that where that kind of come in, it's that pride that can uh, stump us a little bit. And just being a bit more open-minded, I think, could, could serve a lot of us. Again, again, myself included. I'm not. I'm not standing on the pedestal here, trying to trying to preach. Um, you know, absolutely. These things are always a work in progress. Wrapping up here, any last advice you want to uh, give the audience members here? I suppose, given the context of, of what we've spoken about, which a lot of that was around masculinity, um, a lot of it was around um, you know trying to reframe that, and, and, and as an extension, reframe. The kinds of conversations that, that men can have, and and I should point out very quickly when it comes to I, I mentioned it a couple of times, and I don't normally go into conversations always about this, but when I was on that um, trip in Cambodia, the reason that 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 I got involved in that organisation was because the idea of human trafficking and human slavery was something that I think is so fucking messed up, but I think it's something that men need to stand up and have conversations about, right? We fuel the sex trade. You know, and it can be something as mundane as, you know, that bullshit kind of chatter that objectifies women and all that kind of stuff. So it's just around challenging the kind of conversations that we can have. And it can be something simple or something very serious and impactful on other people like that. So the piece of advice um, would be more perhaps something to think about and, and just think about the conversations that you have or perhaps that you don't have, um, the things that you maybe avoid. Um, the conversations that you could have been having, but it was never even, never even an idea for you to have that because it was so far from um, from your reality because we, you know, we kind of taught to avoid those things. So just look for where you can have a conversation because one of the things I've found in my coaching practice is that generally there's a conversation that can be had, right? Mm -hmm. Something as simple as like, here's an example: a client of mine was like, we were setting some short-term goals for the week. Um, he was a he was a personal trainer and he was like. I want to get a pay rise, I want to get a promotion, I'm going to do X, Y, Z initiatives. And I was like, man, they are, they are amazing initiatives, like, absolutely. But have you also thought about having a conversation with the person responsible for giving you a promotion and a pay rise? Oh, no. 
So we went through that, he went and had a conversation that day and he got it. Now he also went and implemented those initiatives, but it showed that he wasn't seeing his own worth and that he wasn't willing, he was going to try and do it through other ways, like hard ways. He could just go have a conversation, which is way easier, right? So there, I think there's all sorts of areas where we can just have one conversation and it can lead to all sorts of opportunities and growth. Amazing. Great words to wrap up on. If people want to learn more about you and the Beyond the Beers and the projects you're working on, where can they find you? So you can find me mikecampbell.com.au because um, I'm based in Australia and Mike Campbell's a very common name and you can't get um, .com, especially when he's from uh, the, the lead guitarist with Tom Petty. Um, so mikecampbell.com.au um, and Beyond the Beers is beyondthebeers.tv uh, and Beyond the Beers uh, with a Kiwi accent living in Australia and having lived all around the world, um, I find people always struggle when I say beer. If I'm talking about the animal uh, or the drink or if the cupboard is beer, I'm talking about the drink. So beyondthebeers.tv. Uh, and the show should be up very soon. If you go there now, you'll kind of see um, there's somewhere to sign up to, to get notifications. But the show will be released very soon, hopefully in by the next couple of weeks. Are you on social media anywhere or not really your forte? I am, so you'll find me on Facebook, Mike Campbell Man Coach, um, and otherwise, Twitter and um, Twitter and um, and Instagram. I'm, I'm no good with consistency in my um, labels because of the commonality of Mike Campbell. So Mike Campbell Man Coach on Facebook, and you can kind of find everything else from there. Awesome! Thanks, mate, for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me on, Philip. A great chat. Likewise. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Mike Campbell. Hopefully you took something away from that. For all the men out there, I hope it encourages you to have more authentic conversations and step into some of those more challenging emotional ones that you've been avoiding. For all the women out there, hopefully you'll recognize when a man needs to open up a little more and create a more comfortable space to facilitate that conversation. It's on both of us to really move forward and be more open with one another. If you enjoyed the episode, I ask that you pass it along to somebody, share it, send in a private message. And for all the latest episodes, go to www.philipsmancy.com, join the email list, and I will email you all the episodes directly. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time.